All right, welcome back to your Hot Mess Sunday. It's crazy as usual in studio with Sergey and I, and it's really, really cold. Well, compared to what it's been, yeah, been it's usually it's usually a sauna in here, so I'm glad they kind of <laughs> turned that down. That is good. That's, it just is... means we're either a sauna or an icebox. Yeah. So <laughs> I do want to mention, so everybody, two. of course, knows that uh, it's our political party show. It is. It's going to be a lot of fun. First hour, we're having Mayor David Condon in studio, and then second hour is Representative Brady Walkinshaw from Seattle. Yes, is going to be on as well. And I love this. So we're a hot mess, mm-hmm. and we've been one. And the mayor's here already, and I. It's, I don't know how I feel about it. He gets to really see how yeah. messy. <laughs> the behind the scenes. <laughs> how that's, messy it is. Yeah, that, that, that's a trust exercise. When we show right. someone the behind the scenes, that's that's a big deal. <laughs> it's a huge trust exercise. You and I did fun things this week. We what did. did. We, do? we went check-in. We went to uh, Riverdance. We saw Riverdance. 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary. That was a good time. That was a good time. Do you know what that means? 20th anniversary. That means You weren't even here the first time. Years ago. Time. I was actually. I, I was. You were barely here. I was barely here. <laughs> you were barely, I was barely here. I remember the first one. I yeah. remember being in love with the show and the music being amazing. So when we got mm-hmm. to, we interviewed one of the dancers of uh, of this tour. This these are the people who toured all over Europe. Europe. Yes. And then yeah. come to Spokane to do the show. Actually, tonight's the closing night. Um, and so going there, and then after interviewing the dancers, and then being able to see the performance, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it, it was, really was. There was a lot of culture in there. There were a lot of different types of dances. Uh, saw some Russian dancers. There I was were like, Russian I recognize dancers. those. Um, yeah. Lots of lots of Irish dancing, of course. You know, you go outside and then you want to tap your feet everywhere. Well, and, and you want to kick dancing. your legs up. One of the you things I kept your legs up. One yeah. of the things that's amazing <laughs> is they time. dance around the, like they're on a cloud. Yeah. And but everything that kept coming to me was, you know. If you mess up in your Irish dancing, all you have to do is kick really high and do a twirl, and no one's going to know. You just get right back into it because they are like gazelles. Uh, they are like gazelles. Just yeah. bouncing across the stage. But it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We went with two friends um, there, and we ran into our good friend Gay Weiss from the Spoken Ants Coalition. And what I love about that Spoken experience, network. network, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I loved about that is we're standing up. As you go into the beautiful INB Performing Arts Center, we're standing up on the second tier where the orchestra level is, and I hear a scream, <laughs> and up comes running this woman that's glittering, and it took me like 10 seconds to realize it was gay. Yeah. He was running up to see us. So that was a lot of fun, too. We do encourage you, if you haven't seen the show yet, uh, this is your last night. Go out and see it. Go out and see it. So. And if you haven't seen anything at the IMB, always check it out. They have great, great, great shows coming. Um National Go Geographic Live is National back. Geographic Live. That's that's my personal favorite. It is November third well. is going to be there. Uh, are we ready for space? Type of thing. It's it's all it's about like space exploration and, and Jupiter searching and for life and searching for life. Yeah. So that's we're exciting. nerds. So we're yeah. very excited to go to that <laughs> as yeah. well. So it's cool that we have that in Spokane. But something else. We've played this young man on our show before. We have. Um, and we'll play him to get today. And we're going to play him again today. We Andy Rumsey, who is a local Spokane. Uh, Artist. Musician, yeah. artist, uh, did his CD release party, 15 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it down at the Big Dipper. They did the release on Friday. The album's called Are We Here? He's a, a friend of ours. He's a really talented young man. And it was a Kickstarter project. It was. It that was. he fully was able to get funded at just about $7,000. Well, and it's funny because this Kickstarter project, uh, it was about a year ago, and it was for $6,700. Yeah. Um, and until the very last couple days, he wasn't going to get to the goal. And then all of a sudden, a donator donated $3,000 yeah, to match it. Th- and, he and it's said, a mysterious donation. Exactly. Just and he anonymous. says that he was like relieved. Yeah. He was like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to happen. So I don't have to worry about planning the album. And then they right. said the very last minute, he was like, oh, wow, it maybe happened. I do. So it's he exciting. He still doesn't know who did it. 
No, um, that's true. But he is, if you get a chance to meet him, first of all, touch his hair because it's crazy. His hair is crazy. <laughs> um, but is. I love it. it you can't crazy. miss it. But um, just a very down-to-earth artist. Yeah. And like yeah. we always say here, you know, support your local talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very talented. So he's worth checking out. He, the album's on, of course, iTunes. You can get it down at 4,000 Holes, all of those yeah. uh, places. And then... Um, He's going to play on our show live within the next couple of weeks, so you can even come down mm-hmm. and see him. And you can check him Here. out on his website, andyrumsey.com. Dot com, yeah. Um, and why don't we take a quick song break here, listen to Andy Rumsey, and then we'll be back and we will talk to Mayor Condon. Perfect. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. We are very excited. I like to say it's 10 months in the making. So 10 months in the making, we finally have in studio Mayor David Condon, actually on the verge of what could be pretty historic, which is as Election Day comes upon us, you could be the very first mayor in like four decades to be reelected in Spokane, we like to focus a lot on uh, local issues here, so we really appreciate you taking time to be with us this morning. So welcome to Outspoken. Thanks for having me. Definitely. I want to start with the first question, which is in the primaries, you come out with 66% of the vote. Um, your challenger is Charlotte D. Mm-hmm. With that much of a spread like in your favor, do you end up taking a win in stride, or what is your philosophy? Where does that put you? I mean, that's a big boost. Well, I'll tell you, uh, just four years ago, I was 35 points down, actually. Mm -hmm. And so you don't take any of it in stride. Uh, We've been out there. uh, Actually, I'll be out this afternoon uh, knocking on doors after some uh, kids' birthday parties. But uh, so, no, you don't. Um, Four years ago, I did not. I kept on going. Um, I think the the public really expects, and I, I and I would agree that uh, a, a great unique thing about Spokane is um, they expect to know who their elected officials are. Mm-hmm. Um, for the vast majority, you know, people think uh, often, "What do you mean you knock on people's doors?" And actually, it's a pretty uh, you know minus maybe a handful, but the vast majority of folks. And we're talking last time we knocked on twenty two thousand doors will be around 15,000 to 20,000 this time again. Um, people really do just want to talk to you, you know, even if they, you know, leave um, disagreeing with you. Um, and I think that's exciting about Spokane that, you know, it's not the, uh, um, you know, don't come to my door, don't come here. And yes, like I said, you might get a handful, but out of thousands, maybe maybe five to six of them. And you, you really have a lot of discussions about a whole myriad of issues facing communities. I'll tell you, I take notes uh, now as mayor, as I go back to the office, and I, you know, why aren't we, you know, doing this in this certain neighborhood? Or have we ever looked at, you know, doing something in a certain park? And until you literally walk the streets, you might just blow right past it, or it might not be, and, you know, as we all live the busy lives we do, uh, it might not be in your normal commute pattern. And I actually get out there a lot with uh, within the city, but until you literally are walking the streets, uh, are you finding out that you have you know 500 feet that could use a sidewalk and really connect two parts of a neighborhood, or sure. you know the trees are falling down in some place, or you know we might have too much graffiti somewhere, or people don't feel connected to their local park, and you don't get that unless you really go out there. So we've we've continued, um, and it's a family affair. My wife um, and many many volunteers join me doing it. Absolutely. Now, in the past uh, year, two years, um, you've been criticized for a lot of things like 
Uh, you know, there are situations with Dolezal. There are situations with the Worthy Project. There's Chief Straub. There are things that have come up that ha- that people have questioned your transparency as a mayor and certain aspects of your administration. Do you think those are challenges as you approach re-election? And if not, what are your biggest challenges as you approach re-election? You know, what I think is is critical is... Um, the level uh, of transparency, and I think it's a mm-hmm. it's a legitimate question to ask. And then we also need to ask ourselves: at what level do we owe it to certain individuals uh, that not absolutely everything, especially if you're not elected, uh, deserves to be out there in the public, no matter what happens. Um, uh, people need to live on, and so I've tried to, at the same time, be transparent, maybe in transitions in leadership in my city administration, but at the same time respect those people that need to live in our community, maybe need to professionally continue. And so I think it, it's a definite uh, difficult balance. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. enough, I think what often is found, many people may not know, but there was a Supreme Court case that was about six months ago that now deems that there is nothing private in a person's personnel record. That was not the case up to um, about six months ago, but the Supreme Court ruled that. Um, and you could imagine now that if any Anything ever with that was in your personnel record now gets to be on every blog and every TV show and sure. um, what that does to the individual. And so I have both a responsibility to the citizens, obviously, uh, but then also to individual people. These are not uh, caricatures in a movie. These mm-hmm. are not. These are people that have families. Um, I also, you know, as you look at uh, issues, maybe facing. Um, uh, investment in our community and one that I and I think as we look at it and you, you see the evidence which is great part of transparency people can literally in the case of the Worthy Project look at the notes that were taken during meetings when this was being briefed um, and I, I find it uh, odd that we aren't focusing literally on the handwritten notes on the margins of of a letter that we received from Mr. Worthy um, but that all being aside uh, I you know meaning that it had been briefed for about six to eight months. Um, And so to me, I don't see how we could have become more transparent than that. That being said, um, and I think as as you'll look at my administration, I don't focus uh, so much on um, uh, what should have, could have, would have happened, except in the sense of how do we make it better going forward. Mm -hmm. The council president and I co-authored what we call now the Economic Incentive Program, which is basically a, uh, a report card on eight different elected officials' point of view on when we should use uh, funds uh, from uh, basically the taxpayers to really promote infill in our city. And so it goes everything from how much are the how many jobs are going to be produced, how much do they pay. Um, in essence, we've really focused on something 130% more than meeting household income. Um, that's when you'd get credit. Is it in one of our core areas, in the downtown, in the yard, in, you know, out in, in Hilliard, in the university mm-hmm. district, out on the West Plains, you know, really in targeted areas where we see uh, growth. You know, and, and I'll speak for a moment on that one. It just, you know, if we really do want to grow as a city, I mean, produce jobs, we do need to entice people into the city limits because too often property is cheaper outside the city limits. Uh, It's easier to get a lot of parking. I mean, if you're a big job producer, which is what we want, correct? You know, you want it to be easy to go to and people Mm -hmm, to live mm -hmm. there. So we this is a so to me, um, you know, as as people may talk about transparency, I would suggest 
uh, that uh, you had not seen you know this level of transparency, which then intense uh, really intensifies the debate, which I think is fine, and maybe more people have found out about it sure. uh, because of that because of that transparency. Right, yeah. and I was going to say obviously Charlotte threw her hat in the ring like right at the last when they were when it was open for challengers, and then she has really built her campaign um, on. The criticisms that Sergey had just mentioned on those things. Um, two questions on that. First of all, do you think it's helpful for you because it helps you to have to solidify for the public where you stand on things because she keeps bringing up these things like transparency? And the other most important question, we've, we work with the police department all the time. We work with them in the schools to help with the trust with the kids and all of that. And you have your priority has been to build trust again. Do you think with these challenges that she keeps bringing up, that Sergey mentioned, that you're, that there needs to be a new plan of action since maybe the trust has wavered again because of the things of this year? Is that going to be part of your administration if you get reelected? How do you rebuild the back steps we've taken that you know she has brought up many times? Well, you bring up two different issues. Yeah. One is... Um, a single person, now albeit a very important person, our police chief. But that being said, the programs uh, that have been started over the last three years, the programs, um, I would venture to guess, uh, when you join people in, in the schools, that uh, maybe once or twice it could have been the chief, but the vast majority of the time it's other people in our police department that are doing that work. I do believe there's been a substantial change in culture in highlighting those that want to engage our public. Um, the, the Youth Police Initiative, uh, ROC, the, uh, the Police Activities League, well, yes, programs that were brought in the last three years under Chief Straub's uh, leadership. But the vast you know, majority of that, if not all of that, is really being done by lieutenants and sergeants in our police department. And so I believe that's permeated. Um, is it at the level that we it needs to be? No. And it definitely will continue to be the top priority of mine. And I think we do need to take a step back. I've reached out to some to engage the public over the next um, 90 days and really answer three questions, and one being, what is the job description of the police chief? And everybody goes, well, what do you mean, Mayor? Well, there is a, literally a page document that's the mm -hmm. job description. Does it still fit what we want? Number two, which don't make it into job descriptions, but um, into the people that we may be interested in, what attributes are we looking for? You know, to me, it's um, an attribute that, that may not show up on a, on a job description that I'm you know, looking for is someone has a demonstrated uh, propensity for community engagement. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, when we go to start interviewing them, if uh, on their references it lists community groups of a vast, diverse background, and we go to start reference checking them, and, mm -hmm. and it legitimizes that community engagement, not just over the last year, but perhaps over the last 10 or 15 years of a person's uh, career. The final piece that I'd like to answer before we go back out is, what is the process uh, that we should use in hiring our new police chief? You know, we will. Uh, so I've assigned uh, a, a senior person out of our HR department um, and we will start this process in the next week or so of really spending this time. And, you know, last time, which maybe some of the listeners will remember and some won't, we actually had the police uh, candidates, police chief candidates go through five different committees over a single day. Um, interesting enough, I was uh, very intrigued by a gentleman out of Rochester, New York. Um, he ultimately, and, and definitely uh, Chief Straub and a, another gentleman out of San Francisco, um, and all of them had different attributes. I really appreciated uh, the one, and especially at the time, what was the attribute I was looking for was someone that had worked um, under or with 
um, what we call an ombudsman commission. Other communities call an inspector general, that sort of thing. A gentleman from Rochester, New York, had actually been the inspector general, which is, in essence, what we call an ombudsman in our mm-hmm. neck. Not exactly, but right. in essence, the same thing. Right. And uh, But he did not connect with the community. He showed up, I think, third on all five of the different uh, subcommittees. Frank Straub was number one out of three, all the community-based ones. He was number three by the police uh, one, or the law enforcement uh, committee, and number two uh, by an administration, uh, city administration panel, county administration panel. And what I was looking for at that time was someone, let's face it, we were not looking for someone that maybe was the champion of, of the police at the time. We were really looking for an outsider to come in, be connected with the community. And so people are focusing a lot, and I know in the media, that he was the third choice. He was the third choice of a single panel of reviewers, and that happened to be the other law enforcement officers, which not that I was going to say I didn't take that into account at all. Uh, but that being said, let's face it, as a community, that was probably not the top priority of the time. I think now as we transition, you know, to make sure that we have, um, you know, if we do something similar, I would imagine there'll be something similar, probably some substantial changes as we go out this next 90 days to ask folks. But we also need to make sure that uh, who have to implement these uh, these types of reforms. And let's remember, we still have the Department of Justice here. You know, they have 42 recommendations for us. They were just here a couple weeks ago. Our team was in Washington, D.C. Chief Bro is actually on a panel with the Department of Justice mm-hmm. and the President Obama's uh, co-chair of 21st Century Policing. They're in Chicago Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. Um, and so not only are we very interested in implementing the 42 recommendations, but at the end of the day, the Department of Justice uh, can still take a legal action if we don't. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those cases of, uh, you know, do your homework. And if you don't, we give you an F and then we come and make sure you do the homework. So sure. right. I think, right. you know, we are doing it. Uh, but that being said, uh, I don't think the public should worry in the sense of that we, are, we don't take this seriously. Now, I want to kind of take the conversation in a different direction, something that's on the ballot right now, something that's been kind of a controversial issue, Worker Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a big, big piece of, uh, you know, legislation going into uh, the city council and, you know, from Envision Spokane. So what are your opinions on that and what parts of that work, what parts of that don't? There's a lot of moving pieces there. Absolutely. Um, and I guess this is one thing is, is this is, you know, political time. We talk about yeah. myself and, and Miss Lichty. Uh, on the police side, I have yet to hear of a solution she has. Uh, but on this one, she is, uh, I believe, the only candidate or elected official that is endorsing it. Yes, so I have to right. give her, you know, credit of saying this is where her vision for the city is. I guess to me, I am against it. Um, mm-hmm. It is a. It went in front of the hearing examiner, which is a new process that the council president and the and the majority of the council voted for, so that the public knows whether an initiative going in front of them is deemed legal or not. Our hearing examiner, which is a a, a third party, deemed it not to be legal. Um, and so the reality is, if this got passed, the citizens uh, through their taxpayer or through their taxes would spend a substantial amount of money, uh, you know, in court because this would quickly go to court. It's four tenants. Uh, one of them uh, is one that uh, I think, and I, I've come out with the mayor of uh, Tacoma. Um, about this, and it centers around a fair wage or minimum wage, or uh, what I would suggest. Number one um, is 
that the way that the uh, Workers' Bill of Rights has it written up is very confusing. Sure. Uh, and it is anywhere from $17 an hour, 23 and I've even seen some estimates of 27 mm-hmm. because of the way the algorithm works. If we're going to do any of this, it absolutely has to be simple. Um, that's number one, and that's where the mayor of Tacoma and I are uh, asking our state legislators to take it to the next step is, one, it needs to be simple, and two, um, it needs to be statewide. To do these things city by city is is hugely cumbersome. You could imagine if we had to implement this at the city, the idea is, you know, we have tens of thousands of uh, businesses in our community that we would have to send auditors out to your business. You know, you're talking, well, people go, well, that's fine, Mayor. Well, an auditor probably, you know, somewhere in the forty-five dollars to $60,000 range. So you're talking probably a $72,000 full-in position. You'd need probably about three of these. They'd need a clerk. And to me, right now, the top priority is still public safety and probably adding another 10 police officers versus six to 10 people to implement this. Mm-hmm. So that's why it needs to be done at the state levels. Counties, or excuse me, well, counties also, but businesses already have a relationship with state government through uh, labor and industries, employment security, and others. So to have city by city implemented. Besides that, this isn't how our workforce works. They live in one community and work in another, or in a given week, they might work in two or three communities, uh, depending on what they're doing. So we have a much more mobile workforce than we've ever had. You know, so I think that's a, a big issue. Um, and so as I look at it, the tenants of it, although are based in uh, getting after issues uh, that are of major concern uh, to the public, um, is not done in one uh, that, uh, that really um, honors the way our legal system works and or uh, really in application is very problematic, to say the least. And so I don't see it as a viable solution. And, and what's really threatening is we aren't just talking about statewide and worrying about the border with uh, with Idaho, which, you know, in all intents and purposes, I like the jobs we rec- uh, that we recruit and we retain in the city of Spokane. Uh, but I do worry about businesses that may be south of 47th or, you know, east sure. of Havana or north of Francis. Um, and most people, even if they are providing wages that would meet this, meet this requirement and other things, they also get very nervous about government coming into their business on an annual or every other year basis. Could you imagine? Just think of this. Looking through a personnel record of someone in a small business, what's in there? Well, probably your pay stubs, probably your direct deposit slip to your bank, probably your social security number, maybe a divorce decree that tells you that, you know, that the employer has to, you know, garnish your wages and go somewhere. And you're going to have a city employee digging through those personnel records that probably. And like I said, this is IRS type level work. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you really are talking that if the city did have people doing this, you'd want very professional people. They'd have to be bonded and insured. And so if anything, you know, so to me, you know, although, you know, altruistic and getting after some some big issues society needs to to grapple with, at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense. And I'll finish on this. And another one of has to do with businesses having uh, the right uh, to defend themselves in court. Sure. Well, interesting enough, it's my administration that took an unprecedented uh, case um, in suing Monsanto in defense of, uh, of our Spokane River. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if we passed this, we actually couldn't sue Monsanto because they wouldn't have standing in court. Sure. Because, you know, so who do you sue, you know? And right, so, right, you know, I know right. a lot of people look at it the other way, but when you really think about it, if you're not going to allow corporations to have standing in court, 
then how do you go after a company? Mm-hmm. You know, do you go after the individual? Well, the individual, my understanding that runs Masanto isn't a U.S. citizen. So then do we go to the world court to make this? You know, so mm-hmm. it starts getting pretty messy pretty quick. Um, so anyway, those are kind of my thoughts. Um, I, I believe society needs to be pushed on these issues to find real legislative fixes um, if we deem them appropriate. Um, but the public also expects their elected leaders to do things uh, that are consistent with the law, um, although it may be challenging the law, but not completely outside the scope of municipal law. And I have to say, one of the criticisms of the Prop 1 that both you and Sergey brought up is when Sergey was saying a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot more complicated things under the surface. But you have also been called, talk, another criticism, but you've been called the, uh, the money mayor. So my question would be, does, it, uh, does the, I see on the surface of this Prop 1, you know, what the, what the concern is, why the concern is, a, is a, what they call a living wage. Uh, does that, because of the, the continued chasm of the middle class disappearing, and because there are huge issues really with being able to afford the cost of living that continues, you know, to go up in so many cities, do you, does that ring a bell and go, okay, so I see that this issue needs to be addressed, but this is not how I think the best way to address it is. Well, you just brought up the number one reason that I was elected. Believe it or not, this is uh, what I saw polling, and it was the cost of government. The year Mm -hmm. I was elected, the number one issue that people voted on was a 16% increase in water rates. We had just increased utility rates by, uh, that would have been the finishing of 100%, and our plan was to increase them another 100%. That's your sewer and water, your garbage, uh, and now your stormwater utility. And people go, boy, that sounds boring, Mayor. But the reality is, is that is the cost of living in the city. And Mm -hmm. it's actually more uh, more impactful uh, than property tax, believe it or not. Um, And so to me, that was at the core of how I've decided to lead. And I know we can make personal attacks, and I have chosen, I did not do that in my first election, and I have not done this in this election. I can't say the same for my competitor. But, you know, we can go after each other personally and whatever my personal situation is. But look at the outcomes. You know, we now will never raise utility rates over inflation. And that's even a big issue. That's 2.7, 2 2.9% a year. And I, you know, in our public and uh, has, you know, the median household income in the city limits, very similar to many cities across America. We've become a donut city. This is what keeps me up at night. uh, Because how do we change that? We were very pleased last year, median household income for the first First time in recent history went up 11%, so from 39000 to $43,000 a mm-hmm. year. And I would suggest that's out of policies uh, that I've taken because guess who, uh, you know, if we're going to increase the median household income but at the same time eat it up with the cost of government, um, that just doesn't seem realistic. I will also say, and this is, you know, after months and months, because this is hard work, you can't just come out and do a press conference and think it's fixed. It took us a year to go to the public and talk about keeping your tax rate the same but uh, having a 20-year plan for our streets. Uh, the one that I take, a, a, you know, a lot of pleasure in not is, is the decision of our community to invest in Riverfront Park. And not, you know, I'm very proud of Riverfront Park and what it's going to do. But it was the first time, I think, that, you know, that we've really turned a table. And many political pundits told me not to do it. We put them on the ballot at the same time. Don't do that. Do one tax at a time. You're going to, you know, you're going to cannibalize one if they vote for the sure, other. Right, They're never right, going right. to vote twice. Yeah. You know, but you know what? It was the first time, and, you know, this is maybe something that, you know, people ask me what frustrates you from time to time, that our citizens in Spokane said, you know what? 
we are going to redo our front yard. We, when we bring our visitors here, a quarter million people a year ride the carousel. Mm-hmm. Two million people a year, both citizens and visitors, go to Riverfront Park. You know, the Chinese festival is there right now. When I talk about celebrating our diverse and multicultural background, I expect those events, a lot of them, will happen in Riverfront Park. Unity in the community is in Riverfront Park. You know, this is where we talk about, uh, you know, our community. So to me, to have the public sit there and go, you know what, Mayor, and, and I, we championed it. Uh, Council President uh, Ben Stuckert and I came together on this. Um, and the whole council, I think we had a, a seven, or excuse me, a six-one vote in endorsing it. Um, I, we did, and uh, so to me, but we didn't present it with a. If we don't do this, the park is going to be in detriment. It was literally, I mean, lack yeah. of a better word, yeah. a nice to do. But to me, I think over the next four years, you will see our our community be celebrated in ways that we haven't in the past. So you bring up Ben Stucker. Um, I kind of want to touch on that. In the upcoming term, uh, if you were to get reelected, how would that relationship change or work? In the past, you guys have worked together, but also a lot of the times worked against each other. And it's been kind of a divide. Mayor and city council, especially a a very left-leaning liberal city council majority that we have right now. um, How would city council and uh, your administration work together better in the future? Or if not, how is it already working in a way that you see uh, is appropriate? Well, you know, I think uh, there's two issues you bring up. One is, um, you know, a divergence of ideas Mm -hmm. is not a dismantling of our system. You know, I think a divergence of ideas, but then coming together and compromising on a common future, often you know, difficult, you know, um, you'll, I mean, even, even on personnel actions, mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. seen, you know, the council president stood with me as we made the leadership change in police. Yep. Um, you know, we've, you know, we briefed him. That's clearly under the control of the mayor to, to select the leaders of our community. You know, as we look at, uh, as another major item that we do on an annual basis, and that is the budget. Uh, the reality is over the two budgets, because the first budget was already written for me when I came into office, but the two that I have written, um, you know, we've gotten a 13 in one vote. And the one vote was a gentleman that he and I, Mike uh, Fagan and I, generally agree on certain things uh, together. Um, he voted it down because of the increased spending on the council budget in particular, I believe, was one of his main concerns. But so to me, as we go to the, you know, going, we've done the, the street levy together. We we're now being recognized nationally on how we're cleaning up our river. Uh, we worked on that together. That's a half a billion, $500 million um, proposal that uh, I believe that was unanimous from the city council after a couple of years. So as we, you know, the parks and the streets, all of those things, as we talk about major initiatives in our community, we've come together on. You know, I think you'll see a lot of work together as we talk about, and and yes, the philosophies may look at it differently. We talk about smart growth, um, and often people go, well, that's anti-sprawl. You know, and we went through a year-long process of really educating ourselves with, with our partners at the county and saying, how do we grow within? The reality is it's more expensive to to build and to live in urban cores. And we don't want to turn into, you know, some of, you know, great places we all love to go visit. But when you really talk about living in the core of Seattle, very expensive. You talk about living in the core of Portland, very expensive. San Francisco, very expensive. And so how do we grow from the core and not leave 
uh, people behind and just gentrify, you know, everything, mm-hmm. you know. And but at the flip side, how do we how do we grow median household income and create those jobs? Well, when we talk about you know increase uh, jobs, where or increase wages, those are in industries which are actually you know highlighted in our economic investment program in healthcare in advanced manufacturing, in aerospace. Well, two of those, specifically aerospace and advanced manufacturing, means that you're going to have factories inside your city limits uh, if you really want those jobs in your city. That's tough stuff. Uh, that means, you know, in a city that's com- nearly completely built out, it means something going down in order for something coming in. Um, and I believe those are going to be tough discussions. But I think, you know, having uh, those tough discussions is exactly what we want. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of coming together and at the same time, some lively debate about how do you create uh, living wage jobs, high paying jobs inside a city limit so that, you know, people do, you know, and I believe people do want to live, work, play in in a pretty close proximity. I, I know my friends that are moving back to Spokane. Um, I you know they'll they'll often say this, and I don't mean anything disparaging against those cities that we, like I said, love to go, or many people are from. Uh, you know, Seattle. The amount of time that they spend going, you know, in the car or mass transit or otherwise, and away from their families and away from you know. And so, to me, uh, we need to learn how to grow. Um, we need to not push, you know, those things out. That's why, and I'll finish with this: two great spots for this type of these types of of jobs are in Northeast Spokane. That's why I was a proponent of um, the new revenue coming in for uh, the North-South Corridor, 1,000-plus acres in northeast Spokane. Same thing out at the airport and major investments around the airport because we do have a lot of close-in areas that are ripe for this type of development and to create those jobs. So I think you'll see us coming coming around, but also a lively debate. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think there's many ways to come after this and how we build community. Um, but I think, I think more more voices will be heard because of the debate. Sure. And, and I want to say, you bring up a good, uh, some good points, but another point is, you know, one of the things that a lot of people say is our biggest challenge in Spokane is how do we keep the young professionals who are graduating from these great schools that we have the area, but how do we entice them to stay in Spokane? And off of that, tell me what you think our greatest challenge in Spokane over the next term of whoever's mayor is. So we'll do the two. That's what well, I think. I'll tell you who the mayor is going to be. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, the, I, I'll say, tell you, number one, you are so right. Um, as you look at the universities here in Spokane, but I think this is a, a critical stage that we're at, and a lot of great work is happening. I just talked about two industries, healthcare and also in manufacturing, advanced manufacturing and aerospace. And one thing is is that we need to have programs at our universities that are linked to the local economy, you know, and, and not that, uh, you know, that we don't need to, um, you know, have people go in a whole slew of different, you know, degrees. But it's not just our universities. It is our, our um, really our community colleges and the technical degrees coming out of our, univer- you know, out of our uh, colleges. I uh, The governor appointed me to a statewide board, the Workforce Investment Act, um, really a federal program, but really how do we align employers, education, um, and, and employees, you know, together? And so I think number one, when you say, how do you keep them here? Um, it's jobs. I mean, and because you know what, the quality of life is amazing here. But the quality of life, let's face it, uh, is pretty amazing all throughout the Northwest if this is what you're attracting. But if you literally want them to stay in the Spokane region, they've got to have opportunities in employment 
And so that's why aligning those pieces together. But we have amazing engineering programs. You know, I'm excited about you know, Eastern Washington University and their, their College of Healthcare, and not just healthcare, you know, of the provider sense, but there's a whole technology industry around healthcare. There's imaging technology around healthcare. I look in the areas of engineering and the amazing engineering school at GU and, and others, you know, in what's happening there and, um, and, and amazing companies like Scafco here that needs engineers. But at the same time, they need engineering technicians coming out of, out of the community college. You don't just, you know, you know, get a job, you know, because you barely made it out of high school. You better get a certificate in, in CAD. You know, you, may, you better get a certificate in other drafting so that you can operate the equipment um, and work at some of these great, you know, employers. And I'm not, you know, not naming any particular, but, you know, or you look at the great work that's internationally known at ITRON in the area of electrical engineering. Yeah. So everybody, or Schweitzer, you know. So to me, I think there's a huge basis in that. Number two, and it, it does point to the quality of life. And often we talk about the, the nature here. And we were all just talking about how we all love skiing, right? Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> and hoping, uh, hope we get some snow. But, you know, the other thing that, I, you know, and many people talk about the next generation wants this. So, Sergey, I bet you'd, you'd see this. Um, oh, yeah. But I would suggest it's not just the next generation, but I actually think everybody wants to see diversity mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in background, diversity in culture. And I think we have a decent foundation, you know, let's face it, not probably uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you come to Spokane. And that's why in my administration, I was the first to ever appoint a director of multicultural and diversity issues and have a, a very strategic and a very um, informed discussion about race relations, about cultural diversity, about celebrating our cultures, about the t- difficult work of, of non-biased policing and how did that so we have we have groups working on that now uh, you know we really as we you know going back to the police department you know as, as we dealt with critical incident which predominantly dealt around people with mental illness but not entirely but we are one of the only in the country that we know of as we go to national conferences that actually put all of our officers through critical incident training and like I said that not only but a l- large part of that is with the mental health community um, but we had a 22% reduction in use of force. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you don't hear about that nationally. Do we have work to do? Absolutely. But what's also is exciting now as we talk about cultural competency and non-biased policing, the threshold has now been set for our community uh, that we need to come together on a training and really giving our officers, and I would suggest, look at this, you gave the officers the right tools, uh, literally by education, and in, in some cases, literally tools, non-lethal uh, tools, um, and we made a major investment, well over a million dollars in making sure they had all the latest and greatest equipment, that we're implementing body cameras, that we're, you know, dealing uh, with that. But now on cultural competency with the work groups that are working around that and diversity competency, we really see ourselves doing a 40-hour training and and really, you know, working with our folks. There's also another major initiative of looking at employment. Um, You know, for one reason or another, the employment system that is used at the city, which is a civil service system, which is predominantly lauded for not looking uh, uh, discriminatory against folks, you know, but quite frankly, if you look at the employment at City Hall, it's not horribly diverse. And so we really have to look at whether that system and what changes do we make to it 
Um, so to me, uh, and I mean, it's kind of coming full circle of why, you know, young people would stay here. I think it's young people and old people. They want diverse background. I mean, the, the comments I'm getting, and this is just one thing just because it's recent, of the Chinese Lantern Festival is out of this world. You know, sure, you see about sure. the huge celebration of unity of the community. It grew so, ma- so much, you know, several years ago. It needed to go down into Riverfront Park where it used to be at Liberty mm-hmm. Park. Right, you know, so to me, right. I think, you know, we need to, that's how you're going to keep kids here. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, you'll also hear, you know, one job but number two is well i want to see something more diverse mayor because i ask this question all the time you know and well in some ways i don't think they they were looking hard enough and back to the community in some ways i don't think we had celebrated it enough um you know i have a rare opportunity to go to so many cultural events i get invited to a lot i try to make it to as many as i can but i'll tell you people go isn't it a you know isn't that a drag on your family i'll tell you what other kids get to go nearly every weekend uh, to a celebration of somebody's different culture. And so I take my kids. I think this is something that uh, if I can give them something about uh, being young and having a dad that was mayor that they might not get to see every night, uh, is they, they've gotten to go to a lot of things uh, and experience a lot of different backgrounds. Sure, absolutely. Now, we are running out of time, so one last question for you, kind of a broad uh, question or statement. Why is it important for anyone to vote in this community? I mean, there's so many people that say my vote doesn't count. Give us a reason why you should vote. Whatever side you vote, why should people vote? Well, uh, I'll tell you, every vote does count. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be literally out there knocking on doors, and right. I'll be doing that this afternoon. So when you look at uh, the ballots across America and here in the city of Spokane, you're talking about decisions are, and elected officials, especially here locally, are made by hundreds of votes. You know, it will be... Um, you know, we talk a lot about my race. Uh, I would be very humbled, you know, if I had a, a big showing. But the reality is it will probably be a 52, 53 percent uh, vote. Um, and we need to work for every single one of the vo- those votes. So they do count, folks. Um, a lot of people get nervous that they think they need to fill out the entire ballot. And rightfully so, if you can do the research, do it. But this is not a case of if you turn it in and it's not all filled out, they throw it out. Uh, so if there's some questions that you don't quite understand yeah. or you go onto the Internet and it seems like you could go either way, um, not that I ever suggest leaving things blank, but at the end of the day, don't feel like you have to fill out everything in order to turn it out, you know, turn it in. So please do vote, um, and you're right, uh, vote uh, the way you believe. It is. Uh, it sends a message, um, if not mm-hmm. um, puts the person you want into office, no matter what. It definitely sends a message of where the community should be going. And well, I want to say, uh, first of all, coming on to, you know, we're very obviously, we're, we represent an LGBT show, so we really appreciate that you coming on. Talking to those constituents that are in the, in the city that are reflective of our of what our culture is. So I think that's that's a big deal. It's it's an interesting race no matter how you cut it. Um, lots to go on, but as the mayor said, we say every week on here, do your research and you choose exactly. how to vote what's best for your heart. Don't listen to Sergey and I. Yeah, no Don't one can tell the you. Mayor. Don't listen to anybody but the research that you have done. Educated voting mm-hmm. is where it's at. Exactly. So before we go, we'd like to thank you, uh, Mayor Condon, for coming on, taking time out of your Sunday. I know you have birthday parties and uh, door knocking (laughs) to go to, to to. Um, (laughs) but thank you for taking a little bit of time to talk to us and our listeners today. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. We can take a quick break before we, we say thank you to our sponsor. Exactly. Okay. What are we listening to? We're listening to Sam Smith's Stay With Me parody by 
the Seattle, no, not the Seattle, San Francisco Men's yeah. Choir. Uh, and hello, Bye. listeners. <laughs> you are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And that we want to give uh, credit to Daniel Franzese. Sorry, Daniel, if you're listening. Um, But his name is Daniel Franzese, I believe. There you go. Anyways, that is the, he was from Mean, he was in Mean Girls. He was. He has a new show coming on ABC. The Mm -hmm. man, and he's phenomenally hilarious. So uh, we love supporting him. We do. So we're going to give credit to those who support us. And Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro. Featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at 232 West Sprague Avenue. More information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken receives support from Mediterranean Restaurant. Mediterranean-inspired cuisine featuring fresh Mediterranean, Persian, and Northwest ingredients. Serving lunch and dinner daily and brunch every Sunday. Located in downtown Spokane at 19 West Main Avenue. More information at 309 309- 3116. Outspoken is funded in part by the Proud Foundation. More information is available at pridefoundation.org. Yay. There oh. you are. There you are. Thank we you so much. We just got out of our interview as if we escaped. But no, the mayor <laughs> just, <laughs> wa- just the mayor just walked out. out the door. We just finished up uh, with da- Mayor David Condon uh, here in Spokane. He is running for re-election against Shar Lichty in this upcoming election of oh. 2015. We do want to make it clear that at Outspoken, we do not endorse any candidate, whether Charlotte has been on our program and now Mayor David Condon has been our, on our program. But we always, as we said, we urge you to do your research and to vote for who you think is the best candidate. Absolutely. And that's and you've heard us say it before. We'll say it again. Do your research. I think that's Please. the key proponent to any uh, election, anytime you vote. Go and read up on it. I mean, exactly. you and I, we always we always like to talk about it. We always like to discuss it. We And you and yeah. I disagree on issues sometimes. We that do. Happens. We, we even disagree vote. on music issues. It, exactly, <laughs> which we'll talk about so we later. we disagree on politics and a myriad of subjects. Yeah. And yet we still can stand each other. I know. It Isn't is that crazy? crazy? <laughs> it's because we disagree to the right amount of level where it's exactly. like, okay, well, that's something yes. that doesn't First affect of all, me too much. It helps <laughs> that we don't take ourselves that seriously. Exactly. So. Yeah, we're always joking. <laughs> always joking. All so right. That's always good. I think it's time for a sports minute, isn't it? I know. We're going to take a bre- Yeah, we're going to take this little sports minute break because we are waiting pretty quick here. We're going to have representative from Seattle's Capitol Hill area, uh, representative Brady Walkinshaw to continue our political party of the day. But before that, we want to bring you Sports Minute, which uh, of course the boys love working with CCE Sports Network. And so uh, we get to learn a lot that we didn't know before. And our Sports Minute today is about Gus Kentworthy. If you know, he was a civil, silver medal Olympic skier. He was in the Sochi Olympics mm-hmm. um, a little bit, two years ago. And he came out in an ESPN magazine interview as gay. Which, go look at that magazine. Because, first of all, you need yeah. to read the story, but you really, really need to look at his body. That's <laughs> what all of us are saying. I mean, uh, it's just a thing. That's awesome, though. I think it's interesting that he was at the Sochi Olympics, mm-hmm. um, which we all know was very, very controversial, very uh, with with the anti gay propaganda law yes. uh, passing through Russia that same time. So it was really big because it was boycotted by LGBT uh, community all everywhere. over businesses exactly. boycotting it. Boycotting it. Well, so and what must there. it have been like for him, Absolutely, not out yeah. publicly yet at that time, 
to be in a country that was so mm-hmm. publicly against right, who he was. Right. But what brought him to notoriety back in that day wasn't just his silver medal. It was actually pre-silver medal. If you'll remember, one of the other things going on in Sochi at that time was this talk about so many stray dogs. Right. They were everywhere. I just remember the stories coming out, and it just seemed rather odd. That they're stray dogs. Yeah, Yeah. that they're everywhere. And it's such a big problem that, I mean, that people are picking up on it. Well, what... um, what brought Gus Kinworthy to the media even more mm-hmm. than his performance there at Sochi was he chose and found five homes for five different dogs. He took them off the streets. They were near where they were staying, and he rehomed them, found yeah. them a place to live. And so that's what brought him to media. So not only is he gay and wonderful and sexy and all of that, and but he's got a and a skier, and he's a he's got a good heart. Right. He's going He's to help those animals. A good person. And you know what? There's two things, two things that I look for in a guy. One is you have to love dogs and two you have to have a silver medal from the Olympics. So <laughs> right? he fits both those categories. Two things. He's in. Two things he's, he's in. in. So when we have him on the show, we'll be sure to tell him that. Right, exactly. But yeah, so yet another person I love that every week we get to talk about one more person in sports who's saying, "You know what? I want to make it easier for those mm. behind me." So I'm going to go ahead and come out. One of the things that was stated in his ESPN ESPN article was you know, for an, an athlete, their money after doing something like Olympics and all that really comes from endorsement deals. Right. And so yeah. to come out and tell your truth and be that, say that you are gay is, is potentially going to limit the people who will sponsor you and your endorsement deals. Now, I have to say, you know, we uh, said happy birthday to Martina Navratilova last uh, week. When she came out in the 80s, it was probably way more... Way more of right. a detriment than she did lose a lot of endorsement deals. I don't think it's as bad, but it's still an issue. Um, so, you know, for anybody to put some of their, the way they live, their money on the line to just be who they are Absolutely. is a big deal. So, Absolutely. Uh, thumbs up to Gus Kinworth. Well done, sure. Gus. And I guess we'll see you uh, in 2018 in South Korea. I know. That's what they'll be. There we go again. I know. I mean, there we go again. South. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't foresee us ever being in the north, but you know, whatever. No, no, not, not <laughs> what? until north is south. <laughs> no, yeah, that you know, direction. It's civil, it's civil war over there, like the, the <laughs> yeah, American right. Civil War, but different. So Anyways. that's our that is our sportsman. It, yeah. You know, feel free to check out CCE. There, a lot you of you know. Fun. I think while we wait for Marcus, not Marcus, um, Brady Walkinshaw, uh, we, you and I need to have a conversation here. <gasps> Oh, okay, bring no, it. No, we're going to talk. I think right we now. should talk about the Worker Bill of Rights since we're on the con- on the topic of election, since we're on the topic of politics. It is. I, I have to yeah. agree with what you said. There's yeah. a lot of moving there are a lot parts, of moving and this parts. is my concern. My mother and I, yeah. she lives in Wenatchee. We had a yeah, great yeah. conversation because on the surface, let's talk about it. There's a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. There is, let's talk about that we want a living wage because the fact is- mm-hmm. Minimum wage is not really a living wage in almost in like 80% of the cities across the U.S. The cost of living is higher than just your minimum. Sure. It's hard to make ends meet. So it makes sense that we would want to go after minimum wage. What I do not believe that we are understanding is that just by passing a law and making minimum wage higher does not really address the issues of why it's why cost of living is high in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so all you're doing, if that's the only law you're passing to to combat this cost of living gap that's happening for the middle class and the lower middle class. If you're if that's all you're concerned on to fix it, 
All that's going to happen is you just raise minimum wage. So the businesses in return are going to raise the cost of their goods and their products. And then all of these things are just going to go up. And then here we are again. Sure. We still can't survive because that's not the core issue. The core issue is we need to go in and find out why is cost of living raising so much? Why are the cost of goods and services Mm -hmm. raising if your typical, atypical American worker can't make enough money well, to pay for it. Absolutely. Well, and I think uh, I think there's two parts to that. I'm going to be the mayor for a second. Well, okay, there's two mayor. parts to that. I, I, I heard Rankin. him say that at least four times. Yes. Um, yeah, right. Right. There, there's two parts to that. Um, but, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, raising minimum wage alone, like you said, isn't the solution, and I agree with that. But at the same time, if we're going to be raising cost of living – the raise we have to raise minimum wage alongside of that so at least we level the playing field because for so long inflation and other factors right. that uh, I, but it I'm can't not really be sure the only it thing. can't be the only thing no or else you're in the same it can't boat. be and I agree but we at least have to make sure that we're not making it harder while we figure out how to I agree so, with you there. solve it so I think that yes uh, uh, this <laughs> Workers' Bill of Rights is a really, really super big package that it's I don't huge. think I. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I think of it. I, it, I think you it's know too many parts there. There's a lot of things to read. Exactly, <laughs> there are a lot of I things think to of read. That. Um, and not, uh, not only that, but like you know, the minimum wage, maybe not twenty dollars an hour. Well, maybe, maybe that's a little bit higher than. Well, and one of the thi- and it's a, it's might, a scale because want. they feel it like is. a living it wage is. they haven't calculated right. Right. Exactly. So it's actually. Kind of 17 to 27 is the numbers I've heard. Exactly. One of the things I want to ask Brady uh, when he's on Brady Walkinshaw is how has it worked for Seattle to mm-hmm. raise minimum wage? They've done that. They yeah. did this a few months back. To $15 yes, an hour. Yes, they haven't gotten like a year thing to see what it is, but right. there might be some things. But look, still in progress, businesses upped their goods. This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, there needs to be more. Right. I right. need, like, if you're going to up that, please tell me how else we're going to. Because what are I the, just exactly. feel like there's what a bunch of short-term there? band-aids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the problem is we're not working on what is actually going on. We're dealing with a symptom and not the core cause. That's my confusion. Something else in the Workers' Bill of Rights is paid sick leave, which right, is important. Exactly. That And that alone. That's more cut that, and dry for me. Right, exactly. That's a standalone issue that is also happening right now on a city level. But I think... I think I agree with the mayor when he said it should be more of a state or federal thing. I agree with that. It's a smart There's, thing to look at. Exactly. There's no reason I time. don't think it can start at a city level mm-hmm. um, and then work its exactly. way up. Um, well, but something you and I talked about yeah. when we were talking about Prop 1 is, okay, what we've done is created this huge oh, package yeah. Oh, yeah. of things that all have really different mm-hmm. implications mm-hmm. on them. And is that the best way to get things through? Like, I right. think paid sick leave... We need to look at that as an issue. Can we vote them in in pieces? Is that something we can look at? And to be honest with you, a lot of the pieces have been in the works. Like paid sick leave on its own has been in the works in the Mm -hmm. city council for a little bit. Um, They're trying to get it on as a ballot separately. But I agree with you. All of the issues should be separate. And I get that if they're separate, it's not one bill of rights. It's not one package. And I get that it's the whole incrementalism thing. Exactly. But at the same time, sometimes... Now, I'll tell you something about the incrementalism thing. Yeah. Incrementalism is how this country was really founded. I mean, we weren't founded to make change overnight. We were founded to... You know, have three or four different sides. Uh, talk about it. Take some time to get through that, and you know, then exactly, and then then figure out what the real issues are. I mean, it's not overnight. We made 
progress slow right. for a reason. Well, I mean, there's a reason why there's amendments to the Constitution. Absolutely. Otherwise, Absolutely. we would have sold one one Constitution forever, which is the problem yeah. in the first place. Right, exactly. The Constitution was meant to evolve as we evolve it was. as a society. And there is a group of people that does not agree with that. No, but, exactly. But there, that's how I see it. There is a whole group. And, you know, I think that as as a society, we have to realize that the Constitution was made as close to perfect as they could, but it's not perfect, and they knew and that, and that's why we've changed it, it seventeen times. It was times. also hundred years years ago it, of years ago. How can they exactly. even know what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. in two thousand fifteen, they can't. Right. So for us to have an argument that says it can't ever change, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is extremely naive. It was it was drafted by people who thought owning slaves was one hundred percent perfectly right. legal, okay, yep. and should be done, mm-hmm. and only until a hundred years after that. Yep. Did you know slavery yeah. become a big issue? So I love that we went from Prop One to slavery. To slavery, <laughs> but it brings up the good point, which is do your research. And to tell yeah. you that I I don't know how I'm voting on Prop One, but I'll tell you it's not cut and dry. No, you can't just vote on sound bites. One of the things I uh, the mayor likes to say is that it's going to run out small businesses. But the thing is. Depends on what you consider a small business, Absolutely. because there is Absolutely. when they're looking at a living wage, there are guidelines, as in you have to have this X many employees. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're mom and pop and you have 20 employees. Exactly. It isn't. It's, so it's 200 as, employees is yeah, what they're, they're it's saying. It's not as cut yeah. and dry yeah. as that. So although there might be issues, I think, you know, in it to look at, mm-hmm. I, I would have to disagree with that issue. Right. So particularly very yeah. fascinating. Mm-hmm. First of all, hello. If you can't find local politics fascinating, come on, right? Because it's a lot dealing of with don't. your life. Yeah, <laughs> but right. The way I think about it right, is, right, right. It, wait, it's it's directly impacting my life. It's, I mm-hmm. sort of want to know what you want to do. Absolutely, you know what I mean. It's it's incredible how big of a difference it makes. Um, I mean, we passed the the streets uh, and and parks bond and yeah. levy, and I mean, I'm seeing street work being done on every street, yeah. and part of me wants to hate it because I can't right. get anywhere. Well, part but of also, me wants thank to say, you for fixing our infrastructure. I, I, and I get it. And our yeah. infra- let's face it, infrastructure in Spokane yeah. has been an issue for decades yeah. upon decades because it's been a joke since I was in high school that mm-hmm. Spokane is Constructionville. Sure, that's where it happened. So I will say, eh. Is there more? Because at a certain level of construction, to I be think honest, it's I've just seen a lot reached, more. Yeah. For me, it just has reached the same level. The it's same. Always it's, there. it's just construction <laughs> continuously. Yeah, right. it's always there. Right, it's always a lot. Yeah. You know. Well, I don't know. Pothole capital of the world. Pothole capital of the world. There you go. You know. That's what they call every city. I'm pretty One sure. One of the other things, remember, um, look at your voters' guide. There's lots of things yes. going on, not just between the mayoral race or for things like Prop One, but look, city council's up. So we were talking about Ben Stuckert um, being on here, yeah, uh, going for his reelection against a very conservative John Ahern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, these things are important. Ben Stuckert is, you know, he's known to be very mm-hmm. liberal. You mentioned yeah. the our city council in Spokane is very liberal, liberal leaning. So these are things that you get to help decide. So uh, this is the time to kind of look at the ballots for those things, right? Yes, absolutely. It is the time to look for those things. Houston, let's take a quick song break here. Okay. We're going to listen to uh, Electric Love by Borns, which is apparently the male version of Lord.
You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. And to continue our political party that we love to have, we're actually bringing on one of the first members of our first political party we had with Marcus Riccilli, Uh and we're bringing on one of our favorite uh, people from Seattle, from the 43rd legislat- Legislative District. We welcome back to the show Representative Brady Walkinshaw. Brady, are you there? I am indeed. It's great to be back on with you guys. Oh, we're thrilled. Now, to let our listeners know, of course, originally we were going to have this be the uh, the sequel to your roommate uh, entertaining stories with Marcus Riccelli, and we were going to bring your husband on and have this be about relationships. But unfortunately, schedules did not allow, but we couldn't let you get away with not talking to us. So. Well, I'm really happy to be back on, and I'm, I'm sure Micah, will, Micah would love to join us again in the future. So. <laughs> Hopefully we'll make this uh, We'll have to make that happen. Perfect, perfect. We will do it. Now, we are bringing you on this time because, you know, over here we have a lot of interesting elections going on in Spokane. And one of the questions we wanted to ask you from Seattle, who has done something that we're talking about uh, doing over here, is your reaction to what's it been like in Seattle to have minimum wage increased where we're just looking at doing it now and people are you know very both sides of the fence i thought might as well talk to a representative from seattle about how the impact has been so far for you guys so as you probably talked about earlier on the show we passed we passed a 15 dollar minimum wage policy here in seattle about two years ago and i i've been a strong supporter of it it was a, a policy that it phases in over four to seven years, mm-hmm. depending on the size of the employer. So seven years from now, the minimum wage in Seattle, the base is going to be over $15. It gets tied to inflation. So right. in seven years from now, when it gets fully implemented, the minimum wage in Seattle will be around $18 an hour. That's amazing. And what are what are some of the positives and minuses of that? I mean, in Spokane, I'm sure you've heard uh, we have the Worker Bill of Rights. That kind of is a big piece of... Uh, city legislation going in, and it ties in uh, living wage. So what do you say uh, about increasing minimum wage like that, and what are the benefits yeah, of so, that? So I think, it's, I think it's pretty important, and I think it's great that Spokane's having the discussion right now. Um, out here in Seattle, it affected about 100,000 um, low-wage workers in, in, in the city. So about 100,000 people in the region will be affected by the increase in the minimum wage. And, you know, that affects everyone from from folks working in fast food chains to people in the restaurant industry to to folks in retail. And I think one of the really important things that came out of it is that this belief that we all do better when we all do better. And I I think that what that means is that as we get more money into all parts of the economy, it starts to build up demand and more people will be able to spend money in the economy. And I, I think in the long term, trying to reduce inequality will be really good for everyone. Right. Now, as I know that our our structure and our economy over in Spokane is way different than that of Seattle, but you've been over, you know, you, of course, you know a lot of our, our people, our representatives from over here. Uh, you've visited Spokane before. Do you think the amount of really opposition from a lot of, of people for this is called for? You know, I mean, it definitely... In the long term, I think the best policy is going to be for us to try to to raise the wage across the whole state. Right. And there's going to be that discussion. We had a, a bill in the legislature last year that I was involved in co-sponsoring that was 
looking at phasing in a $12 an hour statewide minimum wage, which I think would be an excellent idea. And, you know, it is actually better, I think, if we create uniform policies around the state, but in some instances, in some cities that, you know, have higher costs of living, like Seattle, and it may be this way out in Spokane, but in Seattle, at least, it really made a lot of sense to boost the wages here in the city where your costs of living are higher. And, you know, it definitely does hit some industries more than others, and I definitely hear a lot of the concerns that have been coming from from groups out in Seattle, particularly restaurant owners, small business owners, folks who are, are more immediately impacted by the increases in minimum wage with their payroll. But in the long term, I really think it's the right way to go. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what the what the figure is that's being discussed in Spokane right now. But fifteen dollars here in Seattle, it really brought a lot of people together. There was a lot of partnership around it, and it it so far, so far, I think the implementation's been positive. Sure. Now, you know, minimum wage, increasing minimum wages is, is just one side of the coin. I know Jonathan and I talk about it all the time. There's more to be done to make, uh, you know, help people not only earn a living wage, but to keep the cost of living down, because that's really a huge monster uh, going around everywhere in any city, in any state. Cost of living is going up. What are some things we can do on the legislative level and the policy level to keep cost of living down uh, alongside with raising or, you know, maintaining a living wage? Yeah, so this is a good, um, good discussion. I was, I was, this is different than the flavor of conversation that I had my husband on, so it won't be about our, <laughs> our new marriage. Stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> I enjoy talking about this. So there's, I've kind of seen this in two ways. I, I think there's, there's policies that we can take. I think in general, if we look at our state and if we look at the country and if we look at a lot of communities, there has definitely been an economic rebound. But the fact of the matter is that that economic rebound has not affected anyone, everyone. And, in mm-hmm. fact, it's, it's really only affected top 1, 5, 10 percent in significant ways. So if you start to look at whose incomes have rebounded since 2007, 2008, with when the recession started, the, the, the incomes that have rebounded have really been only those in the top 1, 5 percent that are back to 2008 levels. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the problem. And if you, if you start to unpack that, I think there are policies that we can look at that both affect how much money people are spending and also how much money people are earning. So I think on the, on the wages side, things like an increased minimum wage, that, that really helps affect the ways that people can have more disposable income and satisfy and meet basic needs in our economy. But the truth is, on the other side, there are also policies that we can look at um, that provide people with more of a safety net, with more protections, things like paid sick leave uh, for families, uh, things like increasing maternity and paternity leave when, when, when families have kids so that it can reduce the long-term cost of child care for families. So I, I think there are, there, are, there, are, there are policies that we can look at in the legislature that both affect kind of the income that, that families are earning in the state but then also the trying to create more of a safety net um, around how, how those wages are used and how you can really provide, bring down the cost of living um, for people in communities where we've had really increasing rates and cost of living. Exactly. And I think my biggest concern is always if all we're doing is dealing with one issue, and we all know when it comes to especially economy and people's 
what they make, that there's way there's a lot more intricacies that are involved that I, I truly believe that if all we're doing is raising uh, wage and yet we're not looking at all those other things you mentioned and even more things that, that we haven't mentioned, that all we're doing is chasing the same uh, high cost. I mean, it's just a constant move forward that if we don't start looking at a myriad of an overall basis of what we need to address that is because when we do cost of living increases for the public we see it as okay i get more money but there's so much more to that and i feel like most politicians aren't looking there aren't looking at how do we fix the actual instead of the symptom the actual cause of the disease and so that yeah. is my biggest my biggest concern and i know that spokane looks to seattle a lot um, you know, we we talk a lot about not wanting to be Seattle, but at the same time, wanting to draw some lessons from Seattle so maybe we can use it here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's one of the issues we're seeing in the state right now that's really concerning is that as the economy grows, and, I, you know, some parts of our state are growing more quickly than others, but as the economy does grow, not everyone's benefiting from it in the same way. Mm-hmm. And sure. I... I think that those those basic principles and that basic idea, I mean, we've seen more and more families actually slip into poverty in the state um, since the recession. So we've mm-hmm. seen an increase in poverty in the state over the last one, two, three years, and economic growth isn't isn't solving for that. Yeah, so sure. the, the idea that if, if the economy is growing, but at the same time we're going to see reductions in poverty, at the same time we're going to see more people... Um, earning a living wage and, and getting back on their feet and being able to, you know, find secure and stable homes and, and be able to satisfy their basic needs around mm-hmm. access to nutritious food. You know, those ideas aren't just satisfied by, and those needs aren't just met when the economy grows. So I, I think that that's where we really have a role um, with public policy to, to think about how um, we can make sure that everyone benefits from the economic growth that, that's felt in you know some parts of the state, uh, but also by some groups of people. Sure. So that's sure. that's the challenge, and I think minimum wage is one tool. I think mm-hmm. that other sorts of protections around health care and, and benefit, other sorts of benefits, are really important. You know, issues like protecting Social Security, um, issues that affect people going into retirement. Yes. Um, but one of the one of the core issues I think we face in the state is. That to do a lot of these things, to run a lot of these programs to meet people's basic needs, uh, we also have to have a tax structure that is able to raise the money when the economy is growing uh, for us to really invest in those programs that mm-hmm. help people get a leg up and, and, and get more opportunity. Well, now, speaking of taxes, I mean, Washington State has one of the least fair tax structures uh, in the nation. I mean, we don't we don't we don't have a good way to raise money equally across the board. How do we address that? And I know this isn't the sexiest political issue out there, um, <laughs> but how do we address our tax code and you know the the way we we deal with taxes to make sure that yes we get enough money, but also we don't affect the people who are going to be the most affected in a negative way. Yeah, no, I mean that's a great question. I'm sure you're having you've had that you had that debate out in Spokane. We certainly have it in yeah. Seattle, but. I, I think it really comes down to one basic principle, which is that as the economy is growing, as some people are doing extraordinarily well right now, uh, it's really important that, that everyone pays their fair share sure. and that, that those at the top who are really benefiting from the economic rebound, 
that we have the tax structure in place in the state that's progressive and make sure that some of those benefits, those benefits that are coming out of living in the great place we live in the state, benefiting from the educational system that we have, benefiting from the natural resources around us, that we are able actually to reap the rewards of that growth um, and make sure that we're able to keep investing in the type of society that supports that for all of us. And, you know, specifically to your point, we, we talked a lot about the capital gains tax, so, you know, mm, yeah. a type of tax that would only apply to, you know, the very narrow top, less than top 1% of, of earners in the state. And ideas like that, which are in many, many other states around the country, could actually help to generate the revenue that we could actually use to fully fund education, to fully pay for benefits for our teachers, for fully supporting uh, putting more money into our higher education system so sure, sure. we don't see so many kids from the middle class graduating with debt. So all of those things, um, a lot of them can be addressed with a slightly fairer tax system that that looks at the people that are really, really doing great right now in the state um, because the state can support so much economic growth. Right, absolutely. Well, and, and what about the side of, you know, uh, tax cuts to large businesses and huge corporations in the state, as well as, you know, the governor's proposal for a carbon tax. Uh, how do those tie into the whole uh, mess of tax code, re, you know, rejuvenation, if you will? Yeah. So climate change is something we care a lot about in our personally in our household. My husband's a marine yeah, biologist absolutely. who works on climate science. And we really have a problem that if we don't do something about climate change, it's our generation's responsibility to do something or else we really are going to see more and more negative effects uh, in the near term and, and absolutely in the long term to our environment, to our economy, to jobs in the state. And we need, we need to do something about that. So the governor had brought forward what, what I felt was a really reasonable plan, which basically said that companies in the state and industries in the state that are very large emitters, that are very large polluters, uh, ought to pay a small amount that could be used to then fund transportation, fund education, and and also provide services for communities and families, low-income families that are often hardest hit by environmental damage. So that was that was the idea. I was a strong supporter of it. Unfortunately, it didn't move in this legislative session, but that would have been a really good way to to tackle climate change and also tackle deficits we have in our revenue system right. that can really support creating more opportunity for people. So that that will be there are a lot of groups around the state right now working on how can we how can we bring that same question around making polluters pay? How can sure, we bring that right. same question around environmental protection? How can we bring that to the voters in, in 2016? So stay tuned on that. I think there'll be a lot more excitement there. Awesome. Uh, but that's definitely something I've strongly supported. That's amazing. Well, and to that effect of the 2016, I know Sergey and I have talked a lot about what we are are looking at. What do you think the the hotbed topics and the issues that I think will, that you think will be pushed the most as 2016 comes around? What will we be looking at as Washington as a state? You know, honestly, it's it's, you know, it's a good question. Honestly, it's going to be a lot of the same things we tackled this last year in the legislative session, but instead of having that discussion amongst the 147 legislators in the state of Washington, I think those same questions are now going to go out to the people in the state. So the 7 million people who live in Washington state are going to have a chance to hear more about mm -hmm. some of the biggest questions that we wrestled with and have a chance to vote on them. And there'll definitely be more discussion around climate change and how it affects all of us and what are the steps we can take to 
protect our environment. Um, so that's definitely one. I think climate change, issues around climate change we'll be seeing on the ballot. And, and then I think that same question we started this discussion with around protection for, or, or support for working families and in the state that aren't benefiting from the economic rebound. And those issues are going to be minimum wage, issues looking at it paid sick leave for families who, you know, loved ones have to take time off when, when, when either they're, they're sick or when a family member is sick. So those, those issues will also be coming back up again. And these are not, these are not you know, questions that other places haven't tackled before. We've seen other states do this, and we've seen those states that have done that still have their economy grow by leaps and bounds. So this is really about making sure that the rising tide brings up all the votes and gives everyone a fairer shake and, and more access to opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, those are great issues right now, and I'm excited to see how we tackle them in 2016. Um, Brady, thank you for coming on. I know you have a limited amount of time, uh, but it was great to talk to you once again, joining us for a political party over here. Yeah. I love those. We love those parties. You are welcome anytime. (laughs) Well, I look forward to having you both back in Seattle sometime soon, too. Definitely. It's great to be on a show out in Spokane, and I I look forward to being back over there again before too long. And a really quick congratulations from Outspoken. We haven't spoken to you on the air since you you and Micah got married, so congratulations to you both. And tell Micah, just because he missed this one doesn't mean he's out of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I made made that clear. So (laughs) When we got married on August 8th, I I let him know that we were going to have to go on to Outspoken at some point over the next few months. Oh, it's good, part of good. that marriage contract. That's what that is. Thank you, Brady, right. so much. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> have Bye-bye. a good one. Take care. If you have joined Outspoken, you just listened that we just had a representative from the 43rd District mm-hmm. in Seattle, Brady Walkinshaw. And before that, we had the mayor of Spokane himself, Mayor David Condon, who is currently running for re-election, looking to be the first mayor in four decades to be re-elected in Spokane. Which is all exciting. We love our political parties. Um, You know, now we're going to actually take a quick song break before we come back to the dish. And we don't need to know what song this is. Hold up now. Hold up. So, uh, you know, we don't fight about politics much. No, we don't. But we do fight about music. (laughs) And I wanted to say. We don't really. This is the one time we fought. You told me the other day, oh, I don't like the singer. And I was like, (gasps) how do you not like the singer? You're going to get me Because in my opinion, I think the singer is comparable to your favorite singer your future husband sam, sam smith. smith yeah and so i'm like how do you like it so i actually sent the new single to you in a in a facebook yeah. message and you're like hate it hate it so much and i'm like i will cut you yeah because okay. i don't know what you could hate so in honor i of dislike you, it <laughs> quite strongly maybe hate too strong of a word but it's borderline. I mean, it's borderline it's borderline, borderline it's, i don't like this song i'm right? sorry everybody send me your hate mail and, and, and the song is Hello, we, hello, it's a, it's by Adele's new song. By Adel. I don't, by as, Adel. as Kurt Stop. calls her. <laughs> oh, Kurt, Kurt. right? By but, Adele herself, yeah. and because you weren't here when we were making song choices, this is what you have to deal with. I have to listen to it. So, so. here we go. Hello from the other side. You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, eighty-eight point one and ninety-two point three FM, or are you? Because you might just be lying there dead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't hello. know. There's hello, a, hello from the other side. Oh, is what she's saying. They might go. be. They might know. be. Okay. I will tell you. Welcome back yeah. to Outspoken. It's Adele all the time, every day. <laughs> no, but I have to tell you this. So this is the greatest meme that okay. works here. My taste in music ranges from you need to listen to this to I know. Please don't judge me. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. You have that. 
It's okay. We all have that. I'm sorry. I love it. I, I love. All, right. Hello, Adele. Please sing to me. I will let her. Forever. Okay. Well, yeah. we're, we're asking what? her to get him on the show. What yeah. happens? Her on the show. If Adele yeah. and Sam Smith do a duet, <gasps> are is your soul uh. going to be tur- torn in two? I will. Like, oh, here's what I. Here's what I will do. I will listen to the song, mm-hmm. learn where Adele sings, mute it for that <laughs> time, unmute it to when Sam. Smith. I think they would. And when do they it sing amazing. together, I will sing really loud so I can only hear him. That's it. <laughs> I love it. I think they would do a great duet. I think they would do a good job and too. A shout out as to long s- as long as Sam Smith <laughs> writes the song, it'll be great. Well, he well, better write the song. I, I think they should collab. So there. See how I'm like meeting in the middle. Well, and you're just a, okay. A Republican. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> did you just call me a Republican? I did. Here's the thing. I'm interested. First of all, I will say this for Sam Smith. If you haven't checked out his single that is the new theme song to the new James Bond, oh you should gosh. probably do that because it's absolutely It's phenomenal. called Writing on the Wall, and it's pretty clear that the Writing on the Wall says you're amazing. Yeah, it does. It does. It's so good. I it's agree so with good. You. Thank you. It's there. Okay, but I will say one thing about Adele. She wrote Skyfall theme song. Oh. That is the best. Song. That is so good. That I will is say, amazing. Adele did one thing right with that James Bond movie. That is she did, and it was so phenomenal. Crazy. Yeah, I, I love I that, song. that song. So, so there, there you go. There I don't totally sh- hate her. There's a shout out. I do love her Skyfall. Adele, it's I great. love you. So you should do the show just for that. And it's just always interesting if you Kurt, have to if you ever get her on here, doesn't. don't 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 show her this part. Just <laughs> I will I will be absent that day. <laughs> you can have a substitute or something. Right. No, I'll talk to her. So about. here's the funny thing about when we have political <laughs> yeah. parties. It never fails that the we have to turn the show on its ear because we have to re- Schedule everything. Everything. Because politicians you know are, are yeah. worse than pop stars. <laughs> they all have a very specific schedule. Right. So you will probably have noticed that we didn't do the dish earlier. Yes. Because the mayor was here. We also threw in our sportsman in the middle. Because this is just what you do. You know what? And it's on the fly. So Here's we the thing. do have. It's a political party. And like a party, things end up places. I know. And like politics, it's never where you thought. No, exactly. So, that's this can thing. go many ways, but right? we'll leave it that way. So, but we do have a dish for you. We, we do. do have things that we want to talk about. And I think one of the things we want to talk about is something that relates to, uh, we were talking about Sochi yes, and yes, the Olympics yes, yes. in Russia and all of these things. Well, you know, we were talking about, of course, the anti-propaganda law um, over there that's anti-gay. Very anti-gay because it's all about, you know, you're not allowed to show affection or show mm-hmm. any semblance that you're gay in public over there. Um well, they they want to add something to the law in they Russia do. right now. They want to make it illegal to come out. Basically, yes. that means you can't show that you're gay. You can't. You can't. And you can't in make public. a public, no I'm public gay. Statement. Like, National Coming yeah. Out Day will not exist in no, Russia. No, 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 no. And they will follow it up with a fine of $80. Which is 5,000 rubles. Yeah, which just don't calculate that. It's right. off. It's That's terrible. just what they said. Yeah, uh, right. And 15 days in jail. If if yeah, if you do it in a government or a school building, or you Some do it like, around children, right? Exactly. So yeah, and it's funny because the reason behind this is that uh, this is <laughs> this is a problem. Russia has said that this is a problem that affects young people, yes, grandkids, and children across the nation has to be stopped, and they're afraid it's has going to, to interrupt the, the generation. Co- right? Exactly. Which basically uh, just that line alone, I was like, interrupt the generations. I don't oh, even yeah. know what that means. No, I think that they're afraid that they won't be able to. Reproduce. Yes, then, it is. It is know, a very archaic, non-founded right, in science. Right, right. And thinking. for Russia, it's it's important to keep their population numbers up because just in case they need more people to right. go into the army, which is how right. it works in Russia. Exactly. Yeah. 
So it's and fine. it's cold. So people <laughs> don't want to. <laughs> and it's cold. People don't want to have babies. I guess. And can I, I tell know. you, if you're cold, there's only one thing to do that makes you very, exactly. very warm, very, very quick. So I'm pretty sure their population is fine. Their population <laughs> is very good. It's all about friction. It's just saying. <laughs> it is. I mean, the woman with the world record for the most babies. This is a Russian woman mm-hmm. with 66 kids. So oh. just don't worry about it. Like I don't even know how she. Moves. Once a month. Let's how go. How do you walk? Yeah. yeah. How do you do anything? <laughs> oh, I, I figure like you're just exhausted all the time. Oh, right. Right? I'm crazy. exhausted. I don't have children. I'm yeah. a dog, but that's it. So, um, interesting, Russia just continues. Even after yeah. last week when we talked about how, how they, they yeah. jailed nine, well, they jailed six people. Uh, three people had their sentences mm-hmm. commuted, but for their violence against gay people. And now this week we're going to turn around and that silver lining is no longer a silver lining. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think that uh, President Vladimir Putin's response mm-hmm. was really is- interesting oh, well, because he yeah. said he says that foreign media has deliberately <laughs> exaggerated reports of anti-LGBT hate crimes and that there's no persecution at all in this country. No persecution, no persecution at all. And this is what I want to say. None, zero. Everybody who saw those videos, that wasn't those weren't put together by media. That was like people videotaping. Right, exactly. And it was that neo-Nazi group we talked about. I know. Now, here's the only way that I can fathom this making even a little bit of sense is that Russia is already so violent that they beat anyone on the street that that just so happens to be (laughs) accidentally an LGBT person that they filmed. Totally. Otherwise... Putin, I don't think you have a very civil country. But over that's there. such a dictator way of looking at oh, it is. society is by just saying, "Oh, well, you're wrong." They work in absolutes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it's I've stated a million times: if you do anything in absolutes, that's the first sign that you're probably going to be wrong. Exactly. Because any system that offers an absolute answer and does not leave room for other yeah situations is how dictatorships are born, and it is how you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. people like. The lady from Kansas or uh, Kentucky, Kim is. Davis. Kim Davis. That's exactly. how she, she works. In, in she works absolutes. in absolutes. Yeah. So that's so. interesting. Russia at it again. I know. Always at Bad it. Bad Russia. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, big pharma in the United States. We'll mm. talk about uh, you know Can Martin Scurilli and his he's douchebaggery. Yes, and he's the poster boy. You know, he is a poster um, boy for horrible. CEO Bratz, as uh, Bernie Sanders would say, mm-hmm. when he tried to give money to the Sanders campaign. <laughs> tried to bribe him. Tried to, have to a bribe meeting. him. Right, exactly. Well, here's the thing. So we all know he's infamously, he's known as the most hated man in America. Yeah. <laughs> infamously raised the price of an AIDS drug that is used for people who have AIDS or cancer or any really immune compromising mm-hmm, mm-hmm. disease because it's an antiparasitic drug. It helps right. to get, they used, it was developed 50 some years ago for malaria. And tuberculosis. Well, mm-hmm. here's the thing. So he gets this drug. It was the only one at that time for this to help these people. And he raised it 5,000%. As we all know, he has said that he will bring it back down. It has not happened yet. Um, well, the latest in hi- an attack on his character is uh, a company called Imprimis Pharmaceuticals out of San Diego actually has made a drug that does the same thing. It's a little different. It has some different components to it. It does the same thing as the drug by Martin Shkreli's uh, pharmaceutical company does, except their drug is $1 a pill. $1. $1. Which... And s- instead of 750 Right. They're still going to make money because everybody... Yeah. 
no one's going to use his. No. They're all going to run to this one. So it was smart move on their part anyway. Brilliant move. And here's the thing. Martin Scurley is not happy about this. He's pretty mad. No, no. But <laughs> I have one thing to say to me him. Happy. Uh, welcome to capitalism because right? this is how that works. You raise yes. prices on someone, so that's competition. Yes. That is competition, And they got dude. around all the patents and everything because they they're doing something it. that still attacks. They're innovative. The same. Yeah. Exactly. The same problem. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's found a different way. To attack it. And, exa- and if he thought that that wouldn't have happened, wow. Now, wow. Forbes came out and said, uh, Forbes magazine came out and said, listen, it probably isn't going to hurt Shkreli as much as we want it to. It probably isn't going to do what we want, which think that, oh, finally the bad man has come down. This has happened before with other drugs like 10 years ago. And that, even though that company went into bankruptcy, who did the same thing that Shkreli did with a different drug, the company came back out with a different name and now makes more money than ever. So just like capitalism has yes, allowed this to happen, exactly, it can't. It exactly. doesn't mean Shkreli's He's not out. done, no. Yeah. But we do need to keep better tabs on these idiots who are we doing do. horrible crimes against humanity, to be very honest. Well, and let's go back to our political party theme. Yeah. Let's do something on the policy legislative level yes. that protects us from people who do that, who raise a drug and price. By over a thousand percent. Here's my question. Yeah. How do we do that in a country that has become our exactly. our capital has become actually very entangled with lobbyists exactly. from big pharma mm-hmm. that's that's coating their pockets so it's Absolutely. not so easy as to say well, and after citizens united there's no way of telling who is who anymore i mean right. how much money do you have in your pocket from whom i don't know Ex- yeah you can't exactly. even tell you don't have to and let's look i mean the mayor actually said it when we were talking there and there's also flips of both sides if mm-hmm. we pass this prop 1 one of the things is of course like he said um the the corporate entity doesn't have the right to to they have more restrictions on them yeah. one of them is of course as a city you know suing months i always monsanto. say the name monsanto mm-hmm. he says if this goes through that wouldn't have ever been allowed so there's this quid pro quo there's this a uh, lack of quid pro quo there's right, this exactly. you know exactly. what i mean and so they are th- but i honestly think the good outweighs the bad uh, yeah. They have too much control at it as it is, and, and they do. And big me and my mother, I'm telling you, I you I and called your mom my had mother, a conversation, huh? and her and I do. Although we don't always agree, we have great conversations, and we talked about how do you get big pharma, big money out of politics. Mm-hmm. She doesn't necessarily support things that are. Let's talk about the conversations that start if you talk about Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, but she does understand. Oh wait, you're right. There is this issue there. We need to start having that conversation. Yeah. How do we start, you know, neutering Big Pharma? Any Absolutely. thoughts, future mayor Me? of the... neutering Big Pharma. Well, I mean, it's outside of regulation. I mean, I think it, it, it takes revitalizing the whole system. I think it's not just Big Pharma. We see the problem it everywhere. Just, it's big yeah. money anywhere. Big agro, yeah. big, uh, big pharma. We have Anybody big business. Anybody who uses money big for banks. influence with our leaders yeah. who shouldn't have anything biased about And I that. think, you know, when we... <laughs> Not that we did a good job with separating church and state, but no. if we separate no. uh, money and state, that's never going to happen, at least not in the foreseeable future. But mm-hmm. if we separate that, I think that's a brilliant way to start. The fir- the very first, um, let me t- give you a history Do lesson Do it, here. bring it. I mean, the very first, uh, you know, 
state legislatures and national legislatures were all like farmers. I mean, yes. they were they all came out and it was about what was, it was affecting about them directly. Exactly, it wasn't mm-hmm. about the money. I mean, back in the 1700s when it was first all formed, they would go back to their regular job. They would go, you mm-hmm. know, raise their cattle. Maybe yep. they were uh, maybe they were a lawyer. A lot of them were, but yeah. they would go back into their practice because they were practical people. They were yes. not career politicians, and exactly. that is a problem. Term limits? I don't We've know. I see the merits it. in term limits and without term limits. Yes, but, but the fact is, you gotta have that it's time to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah, it's time to have those conversations. I did want to say you mentioned separation of church and state, and I yes. just want to make one thing that I found interesting about a local situation, which is the city council president seat that's coming up, of course, be- ah, yes. between Stuckert and Ahern, Ahern. and one mm-hmm. of the public statements that Ahern made was one of the, he admits to being more conservative, he wants to take Spokane back to a few years, actually about a few decades ago, and he mm-hmm. said, one of the first things I will do is at the start of every city council meeting, we will pray. That is I, have I a don't. Problem. I absolutely have a problem with. It. I, I'm pretty sure that is actually illegal mm-hmm. because you can't. You can't do that in a public place. You can't. You, I mean, you're allowed to practice your worship, but you can't yeah. really force any government agency into yeah. practicing any sort of religion. Um, separation of church and state. First Amendment. Go read it. Right, You'll find right. out, John Ahern. I don't know if you should be elected because of that statement. Right. Now. We don't know. But we have we'll no see. opinion, but no opinion. we just want to say on that issue alone. Exactly. Let's check it. Questionable. Yeah. Questionable. Well, and you know, I think it's <laughs> it's really funny uh, when people say that that we were founded on Christian values, and then you look at all the quotes. There's you showed me. That you showed was, me a video. Yes, I did. Yeah, quotes from Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, George Washington, um, stating that it was important that it wasn't founded that on Christian values. That we don't make it exactly. One yes. of the quotes literally was, "Since our country was not founded on Christian <laughs> values, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're like, oh, inference oh, that it wasn't." Yes, go. Right. Founding father, thank you. It's a conversation that needs to. I mean, let's let's talk about it. You know, yes, election season is about conversations. It is. It really. This is. show was based on can we have a conversation? We want a dialogue, and here we are. Mayor Condon, please come in the studio. You know, his concern for a very long time right. was that we were there to attack him. No, what we're there is to bring up issues and ask questions that are important to us Absolutely. as citizens, Absolutely. as gay men that live here, and so that's all it's ever about. But the important thing is we have to have the conversations. We can't we just sit back With and every say, I'm side. not going to mm-hmm. vote. Mm-hmm. We have to go in and say, okay, what what does this vote concern? Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. it affect me? Do I, you know, we have to have them. Because if all of us just live like ostriches <laughs> then and plug our ears and just hope it goes well, where do you right. think we're going to end up? Right. I talked about a video from a famous physicist uh, this last week that I really enjoyed very much. And he talks about what it's going to take to get us to another planet is we need to be a type one civilization. And because right now we're a type zero. And until we decide if we will stop these crazy wars because we only want one idea to be the ruling idea... We will never reach type one civilization. It takes work. We need to start looking at where do Mm -hmm. we want to go and what's it going to take to get there? And doesn't it mean we're going to have to figure out a way to work together? Absolutely. And I think that's where it is. Work together, not against each other. We haven't figured that out. All right. As we wrap up, I think we're going to take one last song break here. Um, It's going to be one of Houston's uh, selections. I I know. He picks picks good music. He's doing well today. um, Unlike Jonathan, who picked Adele the last song. (laughs) Um, It's going to be by Hunter Hunted. The song is Lucky Day. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. 
Yes. Yes, we are. So that was a great spoken. song. Here we go. That was a fun song. We've we, decided we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do a little ukulele version of that because, yeah. you know, y'all loved the first song we did. Y'all loved it. Y'all loved it. Y'all did. If you joined us, this has been the Political Party Day. It has been the Political our, Party our Day. call to... To arms. <laughs> call to arms. <laughs> My cell phone going off. But political party day, we've had a lot of fun. It was a good conversation. We had the mayor on just earlier, Mayor David Condon, seeking re-election against Charlotte mm -hmm. Um, Which would be the first time uh, since 73 that uh, yeah. uh, the mayor would get, was re-elected. And uh, we just... In this last hour, got off the phone with Brady Walkinshaw, representative about of legislative. Some things going on on a state level, some things going on in Seattle. What exactly. have they learned from this minimum wage? Phasing in the minimum wage increase in Seattle. Right. And I guess we'll see in a couple years uh, more hard data on that. Mm -hmm. I like that they're kind of a guinea pig. On the whole, I mean, they're the first ones to have to I enact know. a fifteen dollars minimum wage. So. Well, it's always fun to talk to Brady because he has a very analytical he does. brain, and he wants to see the process. And that's exactly how uh, we work on his side: is to let's talk about all the implications and let's look at the facts. We love to do our research. We love our statistics and data, so we look at that and you know make your decision based on that. So, go out, go vote. Um, ballots are in. Send them in by. The first Tuesday in November. I know. And do vote. Go do vote. find out what you think about all the issues. Do mm -hmm. it now. Do it so now. There you go. So until next week, America. America. Yes. <laughs> good Good night, Spokane. Good, good afternoon, good, Spokane. Good afternoon, Spokane. Good afternoon, Spokane. The boys will be back next week. <laughs>